0: Christ be with you.
1: And also with you.
0: Let's turn and greet one another. We welcome you to Laguna Presbyterian Church, especially those of you who are visiting with us. We're delighted that you're here today. On each one of the pews near the center aisle, there is a friendship pad. It's a black folder, and we'd love to have you fill it out and let us know you're here and then pass it down the row so that other people can fill it out too. You can see the announcements in the life of our church that are in our... uh, Inside of our connections, inside of our bulletin, our connections. Tomorrow we welcome Reverend Dr. Uh, Gareth Eisenogle, our interim pastor, who will be starting in the office tomorrow and will be leading the Bible studies on Tuesday and Wednesday morning and preaching next Sunday. So Gareth arrives tomorrow morning and we are delighted that he's going to be here. This morning our nurses are doing blood pressure checks between the services and that will be over in the prayer room. It's just around by the elevator on this side if you haven't found that yet. If you're thinking about the Greece trip at the end of April and into May, the deposits for that are due next Sunday, and you can see directions about how to do that online. Judy Bell is leading a new women's study that will be starting uh, in a couple of weeks in September. That's not a couple of weeks. What's today? That's a week and a half, a week and a half. Um, and she's still taking signups for that. It is going to be studying the life of the Apostle Paul. It's called To Live as Christ. If you're going on the Greece trip, you might be interested in that because that will help you prepare for some of what we are going to see. And our third Friday group invites you to join them for their September meeting for a potluck and to hear a performer who for years has played with the side street strutters at Disneyland. He calls his act Saxophobia because he has a collection of about 200 saxophones, and he won't be bringing 200, but he will be bringing a number of them, and he's really a wonderful performer, great evening. Our 325 Homework Club still has spaces. If you have a child or a grandchild who might want to be part of that, you can see that it is when it is starting and how to sign up for that. It is helpful if they sign up ahead of time. And there is a family fun night. October 6th, which is the night before our pancake breakfast the next morning. We hope that you'll plan to be part of both of those. The pancake breakfast is after each worship service on Sunday morning, and it will also be a chance for us to greet Gareth and his wife, Vita there at the pancake breakfast. And the flowers this morning are for a very special anniversary, Storm and Shirley Kay 64 years. Congratulations. <laughs> I'm sure you were only five years old when you got married, right? Yes, I'm pretty sure. Let's turn our hearts to the Lord. Let's pray. Gracious God, as we gather together, we give you thanks for your love which surrounds our lives and which draws us to this place. Open our ears that we might hear your voice and our hearts that we might worship you with all that we are. For we pray through Christ our Lord. Amen. Join me in the responsive call to worship. How very good and pleasant it is when kindred live together in unity. It is like the precious oil on the head, running down upon the beard, on the beard of Aaron, running down over the collar of his robes. It It is like the dew of Mount Mount Hermon, which which falls falls on on the the mountains of Zion. Zion. For there the the Lord ordained his His blessing, blessing, life forevermore. Come, bless the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who stand by night in the house of the Lord. Lift up your hands to the holy place and bless the Lord. Let us stand and do that together. Oh, for a thousand
2: tongues to sing.
1: Just gain wealth. To... Let's
2: sing that again, church. There's no way to tell.
1: There is no way.
2: let us be seated. Lord, we ask that you would open our eyes this morning. Help us to see your face. Open our ears. Open our hearts. We need you, Lord. See you open our hearts Lord
0: scripture calls us to confession now i appeal to you brothers and sisters by the name of our lord jesus christ that all of you be in agreement that there be no divisions among you but that you be united in the same mind and the same purpose let us come to the lord and tell him the truth about ourselves the ways that we fall short of all that he calls us to be and to do Let us pray responsively. Dear friends, let us love one another, because love comes from God. Whoever loves is a child of God and knows God, and so we pray. Jesus Christ, light of the world and of all creation, forgive our separation and grant us peace and unity. The peace that Christ gives is to guide us in the decisions we make. For it is to this peace that God has called us together into one body. With his own body, he broke down the walls of separation. By his death on the cross, Christ destroyed our divisions, and so we pray. Jesus Jesus Christ, Prince Prince of of Peace, peace, forgive us for the barriers we we still maintain. maintain. And And grant grant us us peace and and unity. unity. Hear us now as we bring to you the silent confessions of our hearts. For we pray through Christ, our Redeemer. Amen. My friends, hear the good news. Christ is our peace. Those who are divided, he is made one. So if anyone is in Christ, there is a new creation. Everything old has passed away. See, everything has become new. All this is from God who has reconciled us to himself through Christ and has now given us the ministry of reconciliation. Let our whole lives serve Christ's great
2: great purpose of reconciliation. reconciliation. Thanks Thanks be be to God. God. Amen. And so today we sing a song that would be a song sung so that all could hear. And it's, Havenu Shalom Alechem." And it means we bring peace to all, to everyone. And so we sing this song this morning as an affirmation that we are called to be a people of peace. (laughs) Oh, make us your people of peace, Lord.
1: Here we go. Heaven, for show.
0: And this is the beginning of Rosh Hashanah today, too, so with our Jewish brothers and sisters. I'm delighted to introduce to you uh, our preacher for this morning, Tim McCalma. He is here with his wife, Ruth. Tim has served as the pastor at Presbyterian Church of the Covenant in Costa Mesa, from which he is honorably retired, and he is now serving as the bridge pastor at Irvine Presbyterian Church. So he and I are working closely together on uh, trying to help that church merge with another, and it seems like we are on the phone continually, at least three times a week. Um, we both are on speed dial with one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, he has also been to Syria a number of times, and he is the moderator of the PCUSA Lebanon-Syria Partnership Network. So he will probably tell you something about his ministry there and the experiences there, at least I hope so. Tim.
3: It's always good to come to Laguna Beach. And even though we came through a dense fog over the hills this morning, it was really good to come here. We've come here many times. We know many of you. I've been here several times speaking about Syria and Lebanon and my work there. And I know numbers of you, and it's good to see you again. Lindsay, you're not the same as you used to be. <laughs> but it's always good to come to Laguna And I'm honored to be here today as the preacher of the morning. We take our text today from Ephesians chapter 2. Some of it has been referred to already in the liturgy that Beth has provided. Listen for the word of God. For he is our peace. In his flesh he has made both groups into one and has broken down the dividing wall. That is, the hostility between us. He has abolished the law with its commandments and ordinances that he might create in himself one new humanity in place of the two, thus making peace, and might reconcile both groups to God in one body through the cross, thus putting to death that hostility through himself. This is the word of the Lord. As I was trying to think through what to preach on, I remembered the words of the famous Swiss theologian Karl Barth, who once said, We must always do theology with a Bible in one hand and a newspaper, or maybe an iPad, (laughs) in the other. He was saying that theology must always be cultivated in the realm of what is currently happening around us, kind of incarnational theology. News today seems to be more and more about hostility and chaos all around us, in the home, in the community, across the globe, even in the White House a consuming unsettledness has come over us like a dense fog. And that's the life we experience. I remember as I was thinking about this, John Lennon sitting with his wife Yoko in a bed in a department store window in Toronto years ago. And they sang over and over and over again. Give peace a chance. And here we are, 50 years later, still singing that same refrain, give peace a chance. But this morning, we dare to stand and proclaim that without reservation, there is a real peace available to us One piece at a time. Paul writes to the church at Ephesus, an important city in the expansive Roman Empire. It was a port city, a gateway to Asia. While Paul's message was one of grace and salvation, it often came into conflict with other beliefs and behaviors. And in his case, in this situation, it was particularly with those in the local Jewish community. Many of the rabbis and synagogue officials held separatist attitudes. They steered clear of any who held views contrary to the Orthodox Jewish positions. Their interpretations of the law had placed the Jew over against the Gentile and often resulted in stonings of which Peter knew firsthand. Paul knew firsthand. Peter did too, but Paul especially. And here he speaks to the root cause of those chaotically violent circumstances. But Paul is also aware of the conflict that each of us faces in our lives personally. And he writes of where peace is can come for us in this turbulent world peace peace is like the word love it's been stretched and convoluted and diluted and maligned in so much of its meaning in the past 50 years as i say that word what do you think of the absence of war perhaps Political parties or neighborhood groups who declare a truce, maybe? Peace. Maybe it's the pharmaceutical companies who offer peace through Prozac. Or perhaps it's your travel agent who has lured you with offers of peace and quiet on a faraway island beach. At least until your ATM card runs dry or your vacation days are used up peace. What is peace? The Bible word that is used most often we heard this morning in song, the word shalom. It's far more than the absence of war and conflict or any external individual experience. Shalom carries notions of wholeness and prosperity, of a calm and a settledness about life that impacts entire communities of people. And it's all based on trust in God and a sense that we are in good hands. Life is good, and we have nothing, nothing to fear. Picture with me Genesis, the first two chapters. God creating in His amazing vitality, earth and humankind with this peace and at the end of the sixth day in the 31st verse of Genesis 1 the writer says and God saw everything he had made and indeed it was very good. Our first ancestors enjoy beauty and flawless relationships with their creator and with each other and in fact with the whole environment. There's a wholeness and a righteousness abounding under the loving reign of God. But we all know the story doesn't end there. Man and woman want more, and they turn against God and against God's reign. And the peace that God has intended is shattered by this rebellion. It's called sin in the Bible. And the result is that Adam and Eve hide from each other. Walls are built between each other and between them and God. The peace is lost and they are banished from the garden and now death and dying are their realities both physically and spiritually. The further result ends up in walls being built up between all people, dividing one from another. People become estranged, divided into different races and tribes. Various groups learn to hate each other, and they even take up arms against one another. Even to this very day, it's about walls being built. And just as we were beginning to think that civil rights conflicts in America were a thing of the past, there are so many more signs of unsettledness, of fear and hostility and chaos, even at the highest levels, even in our local community, at high school football games, in various ways that stab at the heart Of a reconciled world. The Bible says. This is the work of the enemy. The one whose very name speaks of his vocation. To divide. To separate. To fragment. To create distrust. Dysfunction and chaos. That breaks down relationships of all kinds. Even within ourselves. And when this happens, we look for others we can blame. Isn't that the truth? We are deluded and and led to believe that there are good people and then there are bad people. And that if we simply isolate and eliminate the bad people, the world would be a better place. But it becomes so confusing because as Alexander Solzhenitsyn writes in the Gulag, If only it were so simple. But that dividing line between good and evil cuts through every human heart. And who is willing to destroy a piece of his own heart? You see, there's even a wall that has been built up that divides us individually. A wall within. Nonetheless, through it all, God, out of His relentless love, continues to pursue His people and finally sends His Son, our Redeemer, to bring peace. And so I would say, first of all, that in Jesus Christ, we can experience an inner peace as God's gift, freely given. And when we come to trust Jesus, of course, God grants us forgiveness and salvation and hope, but he also offers an abiding peace. In Jesus Christ, the conflicts we experience can now be faced up. And I'm sure Paul was echoing the words of Jesus in John 14, where the Lord says, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives, but as I give. And that peace is something we all crave. Because life becomes so much of a scramble. Isn't that the truth? You know, I thought 15 months ago when I retired, I would at last have peace. Peace is... And, and the myth of retirement is really true. We agree to too many projects. Talk to my wife about that. Life becomes a scramble. We try and help everyone and everything. We experience conflict with others, even within ourselves. But again, at the heart of the conflict, from personal conflicts to domestic ones to full-blown wars, the enemy of peace seeks to divide us, the diabolos in the Greek language, the one who slanders, who falsely accuses, and who comes to tear us apart. And Paul says the cross of Christ has defeated this enemy. His slanderous lies and accusations no longer carry any authority. And as he speaks, he writes to the Romans, since we are justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. And as we center ourselves in Christ, the Holy Spirit brings peace. And the dividing wall of hostility is shattered before us. And I am able to begin to put things into perspective and pull life together again. I've recently been in conversation with friends who have been in tremendous chaos, facing serious illnesses, courageously dealing with the conflict before them. And as we have prayed together and shared Scripture, a quiet stillness begins to spread over them. And the only explanation that we can come up with is that God has visited them with His Holy Spirit. And it's this presence of peace that overshadows their challenges and they're given new hope. It's true. But secondly, we are invited to follow Jesus as a partner of peace. Paul writes that this wall has, that has been set up by our biases, our prejudices, and our hostilities has been torn down by the sacrifice of Christ on the cross. In Paul's case, in the immediate circumstance, it's the Jewish law, the Torah, that had been used to create this wall in order to keep the Jew and the Gentile apart from one another. God has now torn down this wall and is busy creating a new community. In place of the two, one community Under the lordship of Christ, it is his church that is this new body. Paul says, he is our peace. He doesn't say he is my peace. He doesn't say he is your peace. He says he is our peace. In our own time, we have created other barriers, other divisions, other walls that are racial, economic, political, even biological. And it has even invaded the church. As Dr. King so eloquently put 55 years ago, still the most segregated hour in the American life, in the week in America, is Sunday at 11 a.m. Why is that? The work of the kingdom Is about bringing people together. And Christ's body must reflect that reconciliation. My own personal life with Jesus has opened the way to be an ambassador of peace, revealing the love of God to the world. And I've realized that what God has accomplished for me on the cross must be put into practice. He allows us to be more forgiving, gracious people, people who can make a huge difference in our world of relationships. There's a story I love about a woman who was with her little three-month-old daughter in a library locally, and as she was looking at the books, her little daughter was beside her, and this old man came up beside her, looked at the little daughter with anger in his eyes and he said, If you don't shut that child up, I will. The woman was taken aback and she looked at him and very stoutly said to him, Sir, I'm very sorry for whatever has happened to you that has caused you to make this statement. But I will not say that to my daughter, nor will I allow you to say it either. And then she braced for what she figured was coming next. And the, young, the, the old man came closer to her and he said, I'm so sorry. And then after a few moments of silence, he said to her, it was 50 years ago this week that my two-month-old son died of sudden, infant death, in, sudden de- infant death syndrome. And I've been a broken man ever since. I lost my marriage, my family. I've isolated myself. I'm so sorry. And he went over to the little girl And he put his cheek next to her head. And this little girl looked up and smiled and kicked her legs. And he then walked away. Left the library. But you see, God had used this woman as an agent of peace that affected not only her and her daughter, but this man who had been so broken. We can be agents of peace. In fact, we are stewards of God's gracious gift of peace. And it's best preserved when it's faithfully exercised in our daily relationships that God puts before us. And finally, we are invited to join together and create A social peace. There's a whole variety of writings in Scripture that we see the people of God being called to take a stand for justice and to give a voice to those who have no voice. That's frankly one of the reasons I'm a Presbyterian. We have the book of confessions, statements and proclamations historically calling the church to be active partners and advocates for peace. Most recently, your former pastor and my friend, Jerry Tankersley, was an advocate for making the confession of Belhar a part of our book of confessions in the PCUSA. It was about the church addressing the issue in South Africa and the apartheid practices happening there. And Now, as we close this service a bit later, we'll be quoting from the Confession of 1967, the Confession of Reconciliation in the late 1960s, a period very much like the time we're in now. I have spoken here about my work in Syria and Lebanon with the pastors and the churches in the Middle East. It was about 10 years ago when I was a pastor in Costa Mesa. My attention was drawn to this family who had moved to Costa Mesa from Homs in Syria. They were Christian people, they were even Presbyterians. We met together and we began to pray, and they connected me with their pastor in Homs, Mofid. We prayed the Syria-Lebanon partnership network was formed and I went to meet others in Kentucky and we prayed together and we prayed, God, show us what we can do. And the Lord clearly said to us, just do what I bring you. I am changing the world. Just do what I bring to you to do. Then we prayed more and we traveled to Syria and we met others whom I prayed and worshiped with. And to this date, we've raised thousands of dollars for schools for refugee children. We've helped churches and communities rebuild. Even though we are not trained, experienced people in this, we simply opened ourselves and opened our eyes to see what God was bringing our way. His promise comes to each of us in unique ways. God is changing the world. We are called to obedience. We are called to do our part. Over the summer, we've taken the opportunity to visit the local cinema. I hope you have. There are even some good films that are around. Probably the favorite one we saw was Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. Did you see that one? I'll tell you, there's a segment in there about Francois Clemens. He was an actor in Pennsylvania in the 1950s. He was looking for work. And so he got a job on a new show for children on PBS. It was something about a neighborhood. There was a role of the local police officer in the neighborhood. And Francois, of African-American descent, thought about his own life growing up in the hood, in the ghetto. He didn't have a very good image of the local police, but he auditioned anyway. And friendly officer Clemens was born in Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And he remembered one scene. And this scene had Mr. Rogers on a very hot day sitting with his feet in a little waiting pool. Remember this scene? And Officer Clemens comes through town. And Fred Rogers invites him to sit down and share, cool off, take his shoes off, and put them in the pool. This is 1969. America is rife with civil rights disturbances and demonstrations and conflicts all across the land. And here is a black man putting his feet in a little waiting pool with a white man. And they enjoyed the fellowship, the cooling of the day. And then Mr. Rogers, as they get out of the pool, bends over to dry Officer Clemens' feet. Imagine that image. That image went across the land to living rooms where children and their parents were watching this episode. What did that say? You see, Fred Rogers, who, by the way, was an ordained Presbyterian minister, was showing the world and illustrating what life is about in the kingdom. We are together. The dividing wall of hostility has been broken down. One who works intentionally follows in the steps of Jesus, and is undeniably committed to God's work of peace and reconciliation. All this is from God, Paul writes to the Corinthians, who reconciled us to himself through Christ and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. For you and I to experience firsthand the true peace of God We are to embrace the fact that God has given us the gift of peace. We don't have to create it. We don't have to make it. We don't have to manipulate it. It's a gift. We have only to exercise and join in and be alert to the opportunities that God places before us each and every day in each and every relationship we are part of. And we are to watch for what God brings to us to join with others, to become a person, a part of the conversation. It might be a conversation with a friend or with a child or with someone you just met. But you become a part of a great movement of peace throughout the world. Amen? Amen? Oh, how good it is
1: when the family of God dwells together in spirit, in faith and unity, where the people till the whole earth sees till the whole earth be the redeemer
0: Loving God, you made us in your own image and redeemed us through Jesus, your son. Look with compassion on the whole human family. Break down the walls that separate us. Give us eyes to see our own racism, prejudices, and tribalism. Forgive us and give us a true spirit of reconciliation peace at long last in places that for too long have known only war and rumors of war. Throughout the Middle East, Iraq and Iran, Lebanon, Syria, Israel, Palestine, the home of Abraham, the cradle of the Church, the land that many faiths call holy. And now the place where the pain of the cross is so vivid, where the dry earth is watered by the tears of suffering. Free your people from their warring madness. Break the cycle of suffering of so many around the world and help us to respond to their needs in ways that bring your message of hope to those in despair. Work through our prayers for a greater justice a greater respect for life on all sides, and a greater peace, all greater than we can even imagine. Give wisdom to the leaders of our land, that we may be a people at peace among ourselves, and a blessing to other nations of the earth. In response to your extravagant reconciling love poured out on us, we bring you these gifts asking that you will use them and that you will use us for your work in this world, even as we pray for the day when your will is done on earth as in heaven, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen.
2: Our closing song is Let the
0: Walls Fall Down. And these
2: are not literal walls in this sense, these walls but the walls in our hearts, the walls that are barriers. And so this song works for both me as a person this week. Lord, let the walls fall down. Help me see where those walls are. And I think it's a prayer on behalf of the church for the world. Where are those walls that we are praying that would fall down by the very love of Christ? And so we're going to sing this song together. (laughs) Notice it's by his love.
1: Let the walls fall down. Let the walls fall down. Let the walls fall down. By his love. By his love, Let let the walls fall down. 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 Amen. Why is love? Let the walls fall down. One by one, one, we're drawn together. One by one, to Jesus' side. One in Him. Down. Let the walls fall down. By his love, let the walls fall. Sing it again. again. Let the walls fall down. Let the walls fall down. My heart. Let the walls fall down. By his love, let the walls fall. us, in His love, a common ground. Kneeling at the cross of Jesus, all our pride comes down. To- Let the walls fall down, let the walls fall down, by his love let the walls
3: fall down. Let them fall. Amen. Let them fall. Thank you for being such gracious host to Ruth and myself. It's been a joy to be with you here today and receive the Lord's blessing. May the grace and peace of Jesus Christ, the love of God the Father, and the fellowship and communion of the Holy Spirit be with you and upon all whom you hold dear, here and everywhere, this day and forevermore. Amen.